we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us on the show today. We have a special guest coming up next segment we're going to have on with us, Mary Dua Perry. She's director and head of Mississippi Parents for Vaccination Rights. And so we're going to talk about a recent bill that passed the Mississippi legislature and was signed by the governor, giving uh, parents the right to choose uh, whether or not they uh, want their children to take the COVID-19 vaccine or COVID-19 shot to be scientifically and medically accurate. <clears throat> also, the uh, the bill also provides protections for the general public when it comes to employment and other situations where uh, they shouldn't be forced to take an experimental shot or injection as part of participating in society in Mississippi. So we'll talk with uh, Mary Jo Perry next segment about what's going on in the state of Mississippi. The scripture for the week, <clears throat> by the way, if you want to listen, you can go to AFR.net, AFR.net. And if you're hearing this, then you're already listening. So why am I saying this? <laughs> Maybe so you can tell your friends. Maybe so you can tell your friends, tell your loved ones. If they want to listen to the core, uh, or if you're leaving one of our FM radio signals and uh, traveling, you can keep up with American Family Radio by going to our website, AFR.net. We have a live stream option there. We also post the podcast there. Then you can download the American Family Radio app. The AFR app is available on your smartphone and your tablet device for you to download and uh, listen live or listen to past shows, otherwise known as podcast, there on the American Family Radio app. So multiple ways to listen. Make sure you subscribe to The Core on all podcast platforms. Subscribe to The Core with uh, Walker Wildman. You can subscribe on multiple platforms. Our scripture for the week is out of Psalm chapter 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Well, <clears throat> today I want to point out how the writer here of Psalm chapter 20 describes his prayer, describes his communication to God. He describes it in verse 5. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. 
may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And I heard someone use the word petition when they were praying before God. And I thought, that's a good description. That's a good description. Our prayers should also be filled with thanksgiving. Our prayers should be filled with humility. But prayers should also be filled with petitions. Petitions before God. What does Scripture say? Make your request known, Scripture says. Uh, make your request known is the paraphrase of what Scripture says when it comes to prayer. But we're to do many things in prayer, and the Lord's Prayer is a good blueprint, if you will, the best blueprint. Uh, but as believers, yes, we are supposed to make our request, make our petitions before God. Well, what should we petition? Our petition should always align with the will and the Word of God. Well, why isn't God answering my prayers? Why isn't God responding to my petition? Is your prayer, is your petition in line with the will and the Word of God? Is it a godly-centered, a Christ-centered prayer or petition? And is what you're petitioning, is it going to bring glory to the Father? And so we need to make sure that our prayers are centered on glorifying God and our prayers are centered on on advancing the will of God. Uh, so that's what our focus should be. So our, our, our prayers before God can also serve as petitions before the Father. That's wholly appropriate. Uh, H, uh, W-H-O-L-L-Y or one L or two L's? One L. Thank you, Bobby. Got Bobby, my, my grammar expert. Otherwise, here. it's Christmas. <laughs> True. Duly noted. Uh, thank you, Bobby, for that. So Psalm chapter 20 is our scripture, and our petitions uh, need to be our petitions uh, need to be taken before the Father, and they need to be rooted in Scripture and rooted in honoring our Heavenly Father. Jumping to stories for the day, let's see. I want to play this clip from Alec Baldwin, the actor who is also under investigation for the shooting that took place last year on one of the movie sets, the movie or the film that was being recorded or documented was Rust, is the name of it. And there was a shooting back in 2021, and there the, the, this investigation is still ongoing, which is baffling, and I'll explain why afterwards. But let's listen to, this is police video slash audio of an officer body cam video responding to the scene, to the incident. And this is Alec Baldwin confessing, admitting, telling the officer on, on scene that, yes, it was I holding the weapon that shot the victim. Clip four, let's listen. So uh, my understanding, you were, you were in the room when the lady when someone I was, was the shot? One holding the gun, yeah. Okay, alrighty. Um, what do you need? Well, I, I know your name, so okay. it's, it's, uh, um, let me see, you back, okay? Let me get with my lieutenant and see, see where we want right, you to, where we want you to hang out, okay? I, I, whatever you want to do. Whatever. Yes, sir. All right, give me just a second. Well, there you have it. That's a police body cam video of Alec Baldwin, the actor. When the officer questions, you know, were you in the room? Did you witness this? He said, I was holding the gun. I was holding the gun. So my point in bringing this up is to really highlight the the varying treatment that 
those who are involved in shootings get. You get varying treatment. And yes, you've got, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of thousands of jurisdictions around the country, different city, different municipalities, different counties, so on and so forth. But it, it, it doesn't take an expert to look at this and say that this investigation should not be taking this long. This investigation should not be taking this long. And I don't know if Alec Baldwin is guilty of a crime. I wasn't there. I don't have access, immediate access to the evidence. And so I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what's going on and I'm the jury and I'm going to, you know, say Alec Baldwin needs to go to jail. No, I don't know because they're still trickling out evidence and I don't know everything that happened. Clearly, you had someone, an armorer, you had someone who was handling, that. their job was to handle the firearm and make sure it was safe to operate and it was unloaded. And apparently there was a failure there from what you read in news reports. So there's multiple factors here, multiple people involved. And Alec Baldwin is clearly one of the primary people involved. He just said on camera, I was holding the gun when it went off. But this, this double standard in the justice system is absurd. And people ask, well, you know, why don't people have faith in the FBI? And by the way, the FBI is involved in this investigation. Why don't, why don't people have uh, faith in, uh, in law enforcement or in our justice system? Well, it's because of situations like this. It's because of situations like this. And if it was an officer-involved shooting, if it was an officer-involved shooting where the skin color of the officer was light or white-ish, and the skin color of the victim was darker, or some people say black or brown, then the investigation would be expedited, the DOJ would get involved, all the media would swarm, and if there wasn't an investigation expedited and the results released to the public in a very, very timely manner, then the media would be shouting, racism, 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 I tell you, our justice system is failing us. The NAACP would swarm, the ACLU would come, and all the attention would be on expediting the investigation so that the justice system can work. Or when we have a Supreme Court nominee under the Trump administration called Brett Kavanaugh, and he gets these phony allegations that are completely baseless, not rooted in reality, and have little to no evidence behind them, lodged at him when he's nominated to the Supreme Court, what happens there? The FBI conducts a two- to three-day expedited investigation and releases the results to the public. Why? Because the Democrats and the media demanded it. They demanded the FBI investigate baseless accusations against a federal judge. And this, this situation with Alec Baldwin should not be taking this long. We are in, we're going on six to eight months now, if not longer. And uh, this, is, this investigation is still ongoing. This is reading from the USA Today. Santa Fe County Sheriff Adam Mendoza said in a statement Monday that the investigation by his agency remains open, even though they're leaking video. Why on earth they're leaking video? I have no idea. 
and ongoing as it awaits the results of ballistics and forensic analysis from the FBI as well as studies of fingerprints and DNA. Uh, the, the statement goes on to say that the sheriff's office is releasing all files associated with their ongoing investigation. Okay, so the FBI says anytime they're questioned about an ongoing investigation, we don't, we don't comment on ongoing investigations. We do not release information related to ongoing investigations. Okay, well, why is the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Department releasing all the video and evidence on an investigation that hasn't been closed yet? Does this mean that Alec Baldwin is not going to be charged? I don't know. Why else would you release an ongoing investigation video files? Are they trying to get it thrown out? I don't know. Good question, Bobby. But when you see people around the country and you know people who don't have trust and faith in our justice system, things like this give them ammunition. They give them ammunition to not have faith in our justice system. So this investigation needs to hurry up with Alec Baldwin because if it was I, if it was Walker Wildman who incidentally or intentionally pulled the trigger and killed someone, you bet this investigation wouldn't take nine months. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm just using me as an example. But any of us, if there were a death to occur and we were holding the weapon that caused someone to die, you bet this investigation wouldn't take nine to 12 months. No, it would take weeks before an indictment or a charge would be brought forth in a grand jury. It would, be, it would move quick, trust me. And in the meantime, I would probably be in jail awaiting trial. And so we have people in Washington, D.C. that some of them might have committed certain crimes like trespassing on January 6th, 2021. They're being held without bond, detained indefinitely for over a year now in Washington, D.C., haven't even had a trial yet. And this, this was over many of them nonviolent offenses. These were, these were trespassing charges on federal property. But Alec Baldwin is involved in a fatal incident where he was holding the weapon and Alec Baldwin is sipping on wine, smoking cigars, walking around Hollywood right now. You see the double standard? If you're a political opponent of the left and the Democrats, you get locked up and they're tough on crime. If you're a Hollywood actor, well, go to your Hollywood mansion. We'll touch base with you later. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The prophet Isaiah diagnosed the condition of the rebellious nation of Judah prior to its conquest and exile by Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 59 of his book. He explained that Judah's transgressions separated the nation from Yahweh. Due to Judah's sinfulness, truth had fallen in the streets. The consequences for their rejection of truth was that lawlessness abounded. Similarly, truth has been rejected in our nation. Abundant lawlessness is the consequence for a nation that has turned away from the Lord. Repentance is what is needed in our nation, starting in the church. Righteousness is what exalts a nation. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Does your daughter tend toward outbursts of anger when she's frustrated or uncomfortable? While these are a natural part of the maturing process for a girl, making a life rooted in anger can steer her down a dark path. Galatians 5, 19-21 offers a list of practices that lead away from God's kingdom, and a life of anger is on that list. Oh, that your girl would embrace the fruits of the Spirit. Guide her in gentleness as she allows the Holy Spirit to change her ways from rage to life-giving joy. Pray for her to diligently seek the Lord in even the darkest corners of her heart, and hold her accountable in kindness as she reflects Christ more and more daily. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Millions of persecuted believers, they're suffering and they can use your prayers and financial support right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International in the country of Zambia, the place where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. Shadrach is an elder in Ashanti Church. He had word that there was an attack coming one Sunday and sure enough, 20 radicals showed up in attempt to kill all the Christians gathered for worship in that service, about 200 in number. Now in self-defense, Shadrach had a handgun. He used it on a man named Ishmael, didn't kill him, but he injured him but nursed him back to health. He was a livestock farmer, so he took care of the man's livestock. The daughter of that man could not read, could not write, so Shadrach would teach her to read and write using a Bible League program. And I can tell you, in grateful response, the entire family and 80 former radicals have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. They need Bibles at $5 a Bible. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org work. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
Welcome back to the core. This is Worship Wednesday, and that was Casting Crowns. Many of our audience are familiar with Casting Crowns. That was one of their songs, We Worship You by Casting Crowns. Hey, I want to welcome to the line special guest, uh, Mary Jo Perry. She's director of Mississippi Parents for Vaccine Rights. Mary Jo, welcome to the core. Hey, Walker. I'm honored that you're having me on today. Um, I've been a huge fan of AFA since my oldest son, who's 31, was very, very small. Excellent. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share what's been going on here in Mississippi. Yeah, well, tell, tell our audience a little bit about your, your group, uh, when you guys were founded and, and the work that you do, and then we'll talk about some of the legislation that's going on. Right. Well, my, my, my youngest son, who I just graduated from, um, well, he's just finishing up his first year in college. When he was small, I discovered that in Mississippi, even if your child is injured by a vaccine and your doctor would like uh, to request a medical exemption for your child, that the health department has the authority to deny the doctor's request. And so that was our experience. And my son was excluded from school in Mississippi even though he was, for all intents and purposes, fully vaccinated with the exception of one booster. And I had to homeschool him, which I enjoyed, but I also realized how unjust that was because there are a lot of families who can't afford to do that. So um, as, as time went on and I learned more, I began to get involved to try to change that because I, I, I learned that Mississippi has the most restrictive, archaic vaccine laws in the nation. At the time, it did, and um, and since then, just within the past couple of years, there have been some very blue states who have followed in our footsteps, and there's been an assault, sort of nationwide, um, on on religious exemptions and personal belief exemptions to vaccines, and this ratcheting down on um, inflexible vaccine mandates, and obviously for not just for children but also for adults. So I, you know, this is a time that that we really believe that we need to protect our medical freedom. And so, and so that's what our organization does. We started out as a small Facebook group back in 2012, and, um, and we have grown into a charity. And then more recently, we formed a PAC, which is a political action committee to raise money to start um, working on getting some of these political um, medical tyrants out of office and mm. replace them with, with legislators who respect our freedoms. Mary Jo, let me let me ask you this before we jump into this uh, legislation in Mississippi that the governor signed. Um, the uh, I, I am from, I li- I'm a resident of Mississippi, and uh, clearly, and I I have been in the know, if you will, on our different laws and health department regulations as it relates to injections or inoculations or some called vaccines. But the 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 argument in favor of mandating that every single person who wants to participate in public life in Mississippi must get all these shots, which the list keeps growing, and they never take one off the list, If, if you, and you, you know this because you studied this. That's right. Provide a counter viewpoint. Provide a counterpoint to all the people who say, we've got to have these 30 shots. You've got to get it. You've got to get it by the time you're five. Provide a little perspective and your point of view as to why that shouldn't be the case. Well, you know, first of all, um, back in 1986, there were so many children that were being injured and killed by vaccines that the drug companies were um, in a position where they were not going to be able to continue making them. Um, In particular, it was the pertussis vaccine that was very dangerous. There was a lot of brain damage and and death caused by that vaccine. 
So they lobbied Congress and, and pretty much blackmailed them and said, we're going to quit making vaccines altogether unless you indemnify us. So in 1986, a law was passed. It was the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And it, it protected um, anyone involved with the administration of a vaccine, um, as well as the drug companies from liability if your child is injured or killed. So since that time, there has been a gold rush of additions to um, vaccines to the childhood schedule in particular. And so what we have is mandated liability-free medicine for every single child in the United States. Hmm. And, you know, the, the problem with that is that in some states like Mississippi, parents don't have the right, the ability to stand between that big corporate agenda and their vulnerable babies. Yeah. And, and, and Mary, um, Mary so, Jo, let, let me just jump in here because this is, and, and you know this, this is what you do, but th- that's, that's utterly insane. I mean, the fact that there's no other product, and this is not even getting into the efficacy and safety of the shots, which you do for a living, but this is just talking about the liability angle. There's no other product, let's just call it a product, if you will, or a service. There's no other product or service in this country that has this kind of liability protection that is also forced upon you. All right, so it's one thing to say, you know, Everybody's got to drive this car, but you can sue the automaker, even though we're forcing you to drive the car, you can sue the automaker if the airbags don't deploy. But this, not only are they forcing the product or the shot or the medicine upon your, your child and yourself as, as well, but then they're saying if something happens, if something goes south because of our product, no, 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 you can't come back on us. That's utterly insane. That's right. There's no accountability. And where there's no accountability, there's going to be sloppy safety studies. Mm. So, um, for instance, the hepatitis B vaccine that's given to a newborn on the first day of life, on the package insert, the full prescribing information, it says that vaccine was followed for four days for safety. Mm. Four days. And, And I've had conversations with pediatricians about this, and they've said that's not true, but they cannot provide me anything else. When you call the manufacturer, they tell you, in fact, it was followed for four days for safety. The safety is assumed based on other similar vaccines. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, what we're, what we're looking at now, our, our schedule has ballooned since the 80s from, you know, just a small handful of vaccines to like 72 recommended throughout childhood. And, and when you have no liability and it's mandated, you've got continuous fountains of revenue um, according to the FDA, for the drug companies. And they ha- it's a safety net for them so that these other drugs that they are liable for, when they're sued for those, they have, you know, they have this insurance policy in the vaccine schedule for our children. That they don't have they to have, pay for. They can never, as long, yeah, you right. and I, you and I it's, pay for it's, it. It's, it's, right. It's, it's mandated liability-free medicine, hmm. and, and they can never go out of business. So... Um, you know, any parent that looks at the schedule that our children are required to today, to have today can see that, that it is, it is about the, the bottom line of the drug industry is not about child health. Mm. We have, we're giving more vaccines in the United States than any other country. And Mississippi has the highest coverage rate every year. We have the fewest exemptions. For instance, Mississippi had in 2019-2020 school year. Mississippi had, according to the CDC, 17 exemptions, where in comparison, Texas had 10,000. Mm. 
and Florida has like almost 7,000. So, but, but so the way that Mississippi maintains this first in the country status on vaccine coverage is by, by throwing little children like my son under the bus. He wasn't a threat to society. It's about keeping these numbers up. Mm. Um, we have 54% of America's children have chronic autoimmune disease today. And we're not allowed to question the one thing that we're doing to stimulate their immune system. Mm. And there has never been a study on all of these vaccines given together yeah, and what the effects of that is. So there's a lot of holes in, in the safety and parents are concerned about that and they should be, and they should have the ability to stand between their vulnerable babies mm. and this, this um, greedy, greedy industry that in fact is the number one defrauder of the federal government under the false claims act. Yeah. Uh, Mary Jo, talk a little bit about the Mississippi legislation that passed recently. It was not a complete victory, but a step in the right direction as it relates to the rights of parents to choose what is injected into the bodies of their children. Yes, sir. So, um, you know, we've been working at this for 10 years and we've not really gotten anywhere. Um, this year we changed up a little bit. We had some momentum with our, you know, our group like tripled in size because of, you know, the COVID vaccine mandate. Um, there were some there were some comments made by our speaker of the house philip gunn back in october um that were derogatory toward anyone who refused to get the covid vaccine he called us um you know a problem and we've got that on recording and so we we called him out on that and we held him accountable to it and he got a lot of heat for it and so to diffuse the pressure he he brought up his own own bill after fighting us for years to, to ban the, the COVID vaccine um, as, you know, to be mandated by state-funded institutions. And some of our Freedom Caucus guys that really support us in the House um, had problems with the bill. But at the very last minute after session started, um, when it was like committee deadline, Philip Gunn brought this bill out and, and told them that he made these changes that would make them happy. One of those changes being that it would protect children because that's our biggest concern. And Philip Gunn clearly told them, several of them, that this bill, HB 1509, would protect children. And he rammed it through. I'm, I'm telling you, it was less than two hours. Mm. He brought it up, pushed it through committee, pushed it across the House floor, and everyone kind of had to go on his word because there was no time to read it. But in the meantime, they texted me the bill number, and I looked it up, and it clearly had an exception for children. So in other words, it protected adults, but it did not protect children. There was a, an exception in subsection three where the health department could still add the COVID vaccine as a requirement for school children. So when the bill got over to the Senate, um, we really poured on the pressure. We jammed the phone lines over there. Um, they couldn't even call each other when I would call the little ladies <laughs> would, would tell me how, how bad it was. Um, we have the ability to blast out thousands and thousands of text messages at a time and activate our base. We've really built a good, strong base through the years. And um, we also have capability to email, you know, a lot of people. And so, um, and we also brought Delbert Hoseman over 12,000 petition signatures that we, we, we got in just five days. Mm. And, um, and they, he, he assigned the bill to the rules committee instead of public health, which, which was kind of odd. Um, I personally believe that that was that was a, a kind of a veiled threat because the redistricting comes out of the third uh, the, out of the rules committee. But he referred this public health bill to the rules committee 
they did change it to protect our children, I believe, because of the pressure that we put on. And then it went on to the floor. When it got to the floor, Senator Chris McDaniel in the Senate, Mm -hmm. um, he proposed an amendment that would expand the religious exemption that was in the bill uh, because there was a religious exemption for employees to the COVID vaccine only. He, he, he had an amendment to expand it to all Mississippians, to any vaccine, whether they're one day old or 120. That's the religious exemption. And, um, and there was a point of order brought by a Democrat, and it was that, the, that it was not germane. Um, Delbert Hoseman agreed. I believe that was planned. Um, and, when, and when 15 senators stood up in opposition of Delbert Hoseman, they were all scolded, and one of them, Melanie Sojourner, Senator Melanie Sojourner, uh, who is our most conservative senator in the entire Senate, has now been redistricted out of her, her district because Delbert Hoseman gerrymandered it all the way up to Hines County, where the black voting age population is so high that it would affect you know, the vote, where she, it would just be so Democrat that there, she has no hope of being reelected. So it's been a very dramatic and telling um, session and exposed who the real freedom advocates are and who uh, who we need to look at replacing in the next election. Did the bill make it to the governor's desk? Um, So last week, the bill made it to the governor's desk. And to clarify, what it ultimately does is it bans mandates for the COVID shot for any state funded institution for, you know, it would apply to services or employment. Um, it bans the, uh, a COVID vaccine mandate for children, praise God. And so they can't, they can't require it for school, cannot be added to the schedule for children. And it also provides a religious exemption to the COVID shot for all employees in the state of Mississippi, whether public or private. So we've been celebrating that. That's really exciting. We still have more work to do, but definitely, finally, some victories. All right, Mary Jo, hey, keep up the good work keep up uh, defending parents in the state of Mississippi, and we'll have you back on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Mary Jo Perry, Director of Mississippi Parents for Vaccine Rights. This is AFA at the Core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. But today, I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. Use the Submit Trash button at OneMillionMoms.com. That's OneMillionMoms.com. And thanks. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. 80% of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. 
My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. There are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? Dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love could save a life. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker, and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. The number to call in to the show if you want to comment on the content that we've covered today or you just want to ask a question, 87, no, that's Sherathon. It's not 877. <laughs> Getting my numbers mixed up. 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. That's the number to call in. Once again, 888-589-8840 is the number to call in to the core. You can do so by calling the number. We'll be glad to take your comments. And your questions, 888-589-8840. Thank you for those who called in and went online and donated last week to our Spring Sherathon. Uh, we raised over $4.1, around $4.2 million, had over 19,000 families donate to the ministry here. And so we are deeply grateful for your support of American Family Radio and for your support of the Corps and all of our other programs that we broadcast each day here on American Family Radio, 888-589-8840 is the number to call in. Well, um, came across this uh, story the other day out of a New Jersey prison, the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility in Clinton, New Jersey. Well, uh, a couple years ago, this uh, prison system began last year, rather, last year in 2021, this prison system began accepting transgender inmates. So this is a all-female New Jersey prison, and last year, because the ACLU sued, they began accepting transgender inmates. How do we translate that to reality and science? <laughs> that, that means that they began allowing men 
to be housed in the all-female prison. All right, that's putting it simply, not to confuse anyone. Keep it simple. Keep it surface. Um, so since then, though, listen to this. Um, since then, 27 men have been transferred to this all-female prison. And then uh, of them, well, that's a little confusing. I'm going to skip that. That's a whole uh, a whole uh, segment. But the reason I bring this story up is that two of the women there, the true women, at the all-female New Jersey prison are now pregnant. They're not pregnant. And officials there are just flabbergasted. Officials there are just scratching their head. How did the women in an all-female prison, which is, I don't know this for sure, but most likely operated as far as staffers by mostly women, they are pregnant. Two prisoners, two inmates are now pregnant. Two of the women are. And, uh, but this is what happens. And they, of course, were impregnated by two of the men who raised their hand and said, I'm a woman one day and got transferred over to the prison. And so this is what happens when you, when you throw the science book, you definitely throw the Bible. We can't have that, right? You throw the Bible, the science books, and all of (laughs) your common sense in the trash can and you listen to what the ACLU says and you start transferring men over to the all-female prison, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to get two female prisoners who are now pregnant. And uh, the uh, facility there, their staff and their leadership, just they just don't know what to do. What are we going to do about this? Uh, well, I take it that you should send the men back to the men's prison and go back to an all-female New Jersey prison there in Clinton, New Jersey. So the The uh, ditching reality, ditching science, and ditching God's Word just does not bode well at all, especially doesn't bode well in the long term. Uh, Let's go to our phone lines. Let's talk to uh, Jason in the state of Texas. Hey, Jason, what's on your mind? Hey, Walker, thanks for taking my phone call. Uh, God bless American Family Radio. Help keep me uh, grounded uh, with all the craziness going on. But uh, I just wanted to comment on these uh, experimental drugs um, me and my wife have never taken them, and we've never shut down working. And we get blood all the time, so we get tested for the antibodies. And me and my wife have never had the COVID. But uh, my aunt, she's a school teacher in Miami, and she had underlying conditions, so her doctor recommended she get the shot. And right after she got the first shot, she was in her classroom, and she passed out, and they rushed us to the hospital. And she had over 100 blood clots in her lungs. And mm. so they had to do immediate surgery and put a stent from her heart to her lungs. And she's all right now, but they, her doctor said don't get the second shot. But um, I'm just disgusted by everything that's going on. So we need to just pray the boat and get these people out of office. God bless you, brother. All right, Jason, thank you for the call, brother. Jason from the state of Texas, and I assume, uh, well, I don't assume. I know Jason didn't clarify, but he's talking about the COVID-19 shots. Talking about the COVID-19 shots and a family member there who had some serious blood clot issues. And uh, this this stuff, uh, folks, this stuff's corroborated. All right, it's not corroborated by Jason or corroborated by me. This stuff's corroborated by the clinical trials that are still ongoing. And the studies that have been released 
on these uh, experimental shots as it relates to COVID-19. And uh, blood clotting is one of those issues that's noted in multiple trials and multiple uh, studies. So this is, this is the real deal. This is a, a real problem and it needs attention. And we definitely, at a bare minimum, should not force people to participate in something uh, that could harm their body. Uh, we'll go to uh, Lynn in the state of Arkansas. Hey, Lynn, welcome to the court. Thank you. Yeah, um, I uh, saw uh, somebody I hadn't seen in a while. So what I'm saying is I don't have a lot of information on this, but I'll tell you what it is. It's a um, medical freedom amendment in Arkansas, and they are uh, they have petitions out for people to sign. Um, and so I haven't even been home that long to look up the website or whatever, but it's called defendarkansas.us, and uh, Arkansas is spelled out. And then um, they have a Facebook uh, deal, and it's um, at Arkansas Medical Freedom Amendment. Facebook at Arkansas Medical Freedom Amendment. All right, are you anyway. are you recommending this group? Are they trying to pass legislation or what? Yeah, they're trying to get something on the ballot in November, but they need uh, signers on their petition. So, I got you. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you for the call, Lynn, and uh, we encourage everybody to do their due diligence on that. I haven't read the about the group or the bill or the legislation or whatever they're trying to work on there. Uh, so enter at your own risk. That's what I'll say for that. Um, let's go down to uh, Kentucky. Uh, let's talk to Charles in the state of Kentucky. Hey, Charles, welcome to the court. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, and God bless for all that you do, Walker. I appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. Uh, two, quick po- two quick points uh, regarding the vaccine controversy. We had a doctor here by the name of Sarah Beth Hartledge, 36 years old, associated with Louisville, She was the state's vaccine advocate coordinator. She was very aggressive in her campaign for people to be vaccinated. She touted her own multiple vaccines and boosters. March 18th of last year, she dropped dead. There was no um, pre-idea about why she had any preconditions or anything. Mm -hmm. And there's been since that time a total media blackout in this state about questioning why she died, anything involving her death. It was almost as if her name was just there and then not. Second point, last week, Dr. Uh, the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, Xavier Becerra, he admitted and said on tape, not out of context, he didn't misspeak, he wasn't misquoted, he wasn't even prompted by anyone. He said, I quote, because he was talking to the CDC on this teleconference, he said, We already know that the vaccine, not the virus, but the vaccine is killing. Killing is his word. Two to two and a half times the number of black people, Latinos, and indigenous people, as opposed to the numbers that are being killed by white Americans. Mm. This information's out there. You don't have to be a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Thank you again for allowing me to comment. I appreciate it. All right, Charles, appreciate you calling in, brother, and I'll take a look at that. Uh, Xavier Becerra, HHS Secretary, I'll take a look at that uh, at that story there that, that uh, you said that call he was on with uh, CDC and others. So we'll take a look at that and uh, maybe bring that story onto the show. Uh, last call for the day, we'll talk to Karen in the state of Texas. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind? 
Hey, Walker, thank you so much for taking my call. I am a black female calling from the state of Texas. I am a Republican, and I totally agree with what you said about what's going on with the Alec Baldwin situation. I am so sick and tired of all this Black Lives Matter stuff because every life matters. And you said it, you hit the nail on the head when you said, had it been you or I, this would have been done. Thank you for taking my call. God bless you. Have a great day. Hey, Karen, thank you so much for calling in and for listening to the core. And to Karen's point, you know, the uh, Constitution uh, guarantees equal application of the law. The Constitution guarantees equal application of the law. That's the equal protections cause of the Constitution. So we all, as American citizens, have to live under the same laws, and they should be applied equally across the board, no matter our skin color, no matter our background, no matter our occupation, and no matter our wealth. And so we expect the same thing with Alec Baldwin. How Alec Baldwin is treated uh, in an investigation should be the same how I would be treated. <clears throat> our... our um, our listener would be treated. And so that's that's a simple expectation. It's a basic expectation that must be afforded in this country in order for people to have confidence in our judicial system. Hey, one clip I want to play before we wrap up the show. Let's listen to Tucker Carlson. He's talking to a Chicago uh, journalist, a journalist from the city of Chicago, and talking about Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let's listen to Tucker Carlson, clip three. That's the Chicago I grew up in. I was born and raised in Chicago. I love Chicago with all of my heart. Yeah. I take this personally, Tucker. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, when I was growing up, I was raised to believe that Chicago was the greatest city in the history of the world and that the mayor yeah. was the most important job in the world. So if somebody had told me when I was a kid that I'd be taking on the mayor of Chicago, I would have thought that something had gone horribly wrong. <laughs> you know, it's not the typical career path for an Irish Catholic from the South Side. But I take this personally, and I hear politicians on the national level saying that we need to worry about the city of Kiev. I was raised to believe that we need to take care of our own house before we worry about Kiev or Moscow or anywhere else. So just last week, Tucker, okay, I'm not even talking about, you know, the weekend, the typical 40-plus shootings, a dozen-plus fatalities. Last weekend, four women's bodies were pulled out of the Chicago River. If four women's bodies were pulled out of the Kiev River, I guarantee you that would be worldwide news, okay? In Chicago, yeah. it's not even a one-day story. If I were the mayor of the city of Chicago, I would want to know why were four women's bodies pulled out of the Chicago River? How did they get in the river? Who are these people? I would get in my car and I would drive to their houses. I'd knock on the door. I'd say, what was your sister or your girlfriend's or your, your daughter's body doing in the Chicago River? There you have it. And that right there sums up how I feel about this entire Russia, 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 Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine story. And I've been um, voicing that on the show in recent weeks, and I've actually gotten a lot of pushback on it. How dare you downplay what's going on in Ukraine? Here's the thing. I have never once, nor will I, downplay what's going on in Ukraine from a humanitarian suffering standpoint. What's going on there to innocent civilians is horrific. It's horrific. You have a sovereign country that is being invaded by a neighboring country with military troops, in many cases, killing or murdering civilians. And that's terrible. Nobody wants war. Nobody claps for war. Nobody applauds war. 
But we have a war going on in our own country. And it's not even getting equal attention when you compare it to what's going on in Ukraine. And I've got the story here, these numbers from Mexico. This is obviously a neighboring country from the U.S. Listen to this. Over the course of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, the number of civilian deaths has been staggering. In Afghanistan, more than 26,000 civilians are estimated to have died since the war began in 2001, so the the, uh, war in Afghanistan. In Iraq, conservative tallies place the number of civilians killed at roughly 160,000 since the U.S. invasion in 2003. Others have put the total closer to 500,000. But let's go with 160,000 for the sake of discussion, even though that's a large uh, difference there. But listen to this. Last week, now this is a this is a 2015 story, all right? This story is dated July 2015. Last week, the Mexican government released new data showing that between 2007 and 2014, so a seven-year window, more than 164,000 people, citizens, civilians in Mexico, not Afghanistan, not Ukraine, More than 164,000 individuals, civilians in Mexico, have been murdered, killed as a result of the drug wars. That's more than Iraq and Afghanistan combined in that seven-year period. And so we have a problem domestically. We have a problem right across our southern border that is in dire need of our energy and our attention. And we must not forget that. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.